Hey there, everyone. It's Patrick Gray here, and welcome to this, the podcast that, as yet, has no name. Uh, this podcast actually came up as an idea, just an idea, over a couple of beers that I had with Australian comedian and media guy Dan Illick last year, uh, before he moved to the United States to work for AJ Plus, uh, Al Jazeera's online arm, where Dan now works as a satirist. That's actually his job description, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, but we both thought it would be fun to get away from our day jobs and just do some pure podcasting, uh, you know, a couple of guys having a talk about what's going on out there. Uh, and this podcast has absolutely nothing to do with information security uh, and in this edition the issues are exclusively Australian so sorry if I wasted your bandwidth and you're not interested in this uh, I just published it in the RB2 feed because honestly I don't know where else to stick it Dan Illick joins me now to discuss a few things we will be talking about Australia's new vaccination laws uh, will they work We'll also chat about the Australian doctor who's popped up in an Islamic State propaganda video from Raqqa in Syria. Uh, but first, uh, I want to talk to you, Dan, about Anzac Day. And uh, more specifically, uh, I want to talk about this bloke who worked for SBS. Uh, and I say it worked and not works because he got fired for shooting off a bunch of tasteless and ill-timed tweets uh, that questioned Australia's cult-like national obsession with the Gallipoli campaign. It didn't work out well for him, did it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Anzac Day is a very peculiar beast, isn't it? It's a very strange thing. I don't think many countries ever uh, kind of celebrate a loss. Uh, mm. You don't see the Balmain Tigers uh, celebrating <laughs> the grand final of 1987 where they lost to Canterbury Bulldogs, do you? You, never, <laughs> you just never see that. They, they, they kind of let it go. They let it go. Sure, it, it, it added to their character, but they just let it slide. But here we are in Australia. We like to think we are a fundamental liberal democracy, um, but in fact, in fact, we are a democracy run by the liberals. Uh, <laughs> and what we've got is, uh, is, is not only our information being tapped by ASIO, but our information being censored by the top dogs themselves on our public broadcasters. The idea that Malcolm Turnbull can make a complaint about it or put out a, a tweet about it. Well, he, does, it, he doesn't it. need to make a complaint. All he needs to do is to send a tweet from up on high. Lord, Lord Turnbull uh, sends off a tweet and boom, dude gets, dude gets bundled out of the building. I mean, that's power, you got to admit. And that's, and that's the thing. Do you know how disgraceful that is for Turnbull in that he used Twitter to do that. He should have used Telstra. He should have used the phone. He should have he used, should used the official he, channels. The official <laughs> channels. Not yeah. using Jack Dorsey's wonderkind, brilliant idea that he came up with a long time ago based in Silicon Valley. Use an Australian form of media to get your, 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 well, your point I, I think the key Turnbull. takeaway here is, is Malcolm Turnbull hates Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the Malcolm. only conclusion that can be drawn. Malcolm Turnbull is my local member in Australia. Uh, I don't think he hates Australia. I just think he wants to buy Australia. <laughs> he wants to own it and then lease it back to us. I think, well, I'm in America right now. Right now I'm sitting in the heart of Silicon Valley where the internet is uh, is sometimes patchy. Uh, but what, <laughs> what we've seen here is an interesting thing. Now, uh, just kind of diverting um, away from Anzac Day for a bit, capitalism in this country is so crazy. It's at such a huge scale that the government 
can't even compete with it. Um, and <laughs> what we have here is um, the governor of Indiana uh, deciding to uh, create a bit of legislation that reinforces re- religions their right to uh, not serve people who they don't who don't who they don't agree with uh, according to their religion. That just happens to also include gay people. And then all these corporations, one by one, stand up against it. It's kind of interesting where corporations uh, take over from society as the moral placeholder uh, for running how to how to morally run a country. Well, I mean, you look at you look at Apple. I mean, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, you know, with many of these Silicon Valley companies who are locking the NSA out of surveillance now. We're in the uh, uh, as my co-host on on Risky Business calls it the uh, cyberpunk dystopian future, where we're actually relying on corporations to protect us from the government. So it's just a little bit weird. And if this person was um, Scott McIntyre, was his name? Is that yeah, it? yeah. This uh, yeah. this reporter from SBS, he sent out about a, a bunch of tweets, and uh, you know they're just too close to the bone, I guess, because he said the cultification of an imperialist invasion of a foreign nation that Australia <laughs> had no quarrel with is against all ideals of modern society. Too much uh, truth. Yeah, I know. And he says, I wonder if the poorly read, largely white nationalist drinkers and gamblers pause today to consider the horror <laughs> that all mankind suffered, which is, uh, yeah, boom. <laughs> what else can you It's just boom. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, look, unfortunately for Scott, um, he is on SBS, the government, one of the government broadcasters. Uh, not the government broadcaster, a public broadcaster. Uh, and since the public broadcaster is relying on government money, uh, it would have been, it's probably in SBS's best interest to to let him go. <laughs> to, as we say in Australia, give him the ass. Uh, but, you know, uh, look, he followed it up with this one. Remembering the summary execution, widespread rape and theft committed by these brave, air quotes, brave Anzacs in Egypt, Palestine and Japan. I mean, you know, talk about red rag to to a whole bunch of bulls there. I don't think, I think the guy had a complete brain snap to think this was a good idea. But the reaction, yeah. I mean, the reaction to this, I, I, it really taps into something that's long concerned me about Anzac Day. My, my grandfather was a veteran of World War II. He fought in mm. Tobruk. He was one of the rats of Tobruk. And I've heard secondhand from other family members like what he suffered over there. And it was horrible. He came back. He destroyed all his medals. He burnt all the letters he'd written home. He lived a miserable existence for the rest of his life, no doubt racked with PTSD. And he thought Anzac Day was warmongering bullshit. He said it glorified the most horrible thing you can imagine, which is war. And I'm not old enough to remember what Anzac Day was when it sort of first kicked off. I'm not old enough to remember if it was a if it was a sombre remembrance of all these young guys who got packed off to go fight in a war they thought they were doing the right thing and they wound up dying in the mud, dying in misery for nothing. So, uh, you know, when we go into this Anzac Day thing, this cult of the Anzac legend and the Anzac heroes, you know, I just think of all these 19-year-old kids dying face down in the mud in a country they had no place being in in the first place because they were dispatched there by their imperial overlords. I just don't see, you know, you use the word celebration. You know, we, we're <laughs> celebrating a military loss. It has become a celebration, and I think that's really quite disturbing. Yeah, a former major called it the, uh, the what do you call it, the Halloweenification of, yeah. of Anzac Day. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's that's not too far from the truth, um, but, but also keep in mind a lot of diggers who come home from current wars also feel the same way. Mm. Um, it, it's kind of interesting to see he, the reaction in the blogosphere. Um, my brother actually wrote a, a great piece where he was kind of dissected Scott's tweets one by one and after everyone he wrote, well, that's war. 
Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, it war. is. People, people, people are somehow removed from um, what's hap- what, what, what actually happens, you know, on a battlefield. So why is it then that when someone pops up and actually starts posing some questions, and, and, and admittedly with zero tact and, you know, zero regard for his own position, his responsibility to SBS as well, I mean, there is that. Why is it that the reaction is so violent? Because I'd never heard of this guy beforehand and now he's getting bundled up and, and he's losing his job for expressing an opinion which, you know, I mean, you might not agree with it, you might agree with it, you might not agree with it, but it's a it's an opinion. You know what I mean? <laughs> like well, where does this in, to to give you an example, I on on Anzac Day itself, um the all the day before Anzac Day on Instagram I put a picture of me sitting in a C seventeen, um, reading Tina Fey's book, uh, in camo. And I that was a picture of me going into uh, coming home from um, Afghanistan uh, after I'd done a, like a tour of doing comedy for the troops. Yeah, we and should point out you've you've actually you know you're a big supporter of the ADF. You've travelled to Afghanistan what two times to do uh, to do stand up over there? Just once, and I'm going to go again, but this time without the army. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think you had a, um, you had a trip planned over there that got aborted a while ago, didn't you? That's right. That's right. Uh, don't tell Hobby Lobby, but it did get aborted. Now the thing <laughs> is, um, one guy left a message on there because it was kind of a humorous juxtaposition here i am sitting in this military aircraft reading a comedy book um dressed in fatigues uh and this guy wrote i i hope uh something along the lines of i hope you're going over there to do something good uh and this just isn't a piss take and i <laughs> i replied yeah that's exactly what i did i went over there in afghanistan in t- 2011 he went good i hate for anyone it was like really poor grammar i can't remember exactly because i deleted it because he got into a fight with someone else on my instagram feed and that's no place <laughs> to have that conversation on my instagram don't read the feed. comments don't, don't read the comments don't read yeah, the comments if you want to have that conversation, go to dailytelegraph.com.au. They love <laughs> yeah, news.com.au, they do. <laughs> and so this kid wrote like a, a long paragraph saying, good, I hate for anyone to to disagree with Anzac Day, blah, 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 blah. And he's a kid. Like he's like probably 18 uh, and the only things he had on Instagram were uh, were five selfies in a row. Uh, and one of the people from who followed me on Instagram then went and attacked him for his selfies and saying, you're crazy for... Um, kind of uh, attacking Dan, Dan, Dan. When you're clearly a teenage narcissist and yada, 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 and it all spiraled <laughs> yeah. off into a and big I, pile and of dirt. And I was just like, oh, where is the nuance? It's gone. Like I was yeah. pretty polite with my reply, just kind of letting him know that I had, this was a photo from my time in Afghanistan. Uh, and and then then everybody just piled in. And that's not, that these aren't, those kind of conversations aren't helpful at all. Mm. Yeah, look, and we should... You know, we should point out that just because we're critical of the of the myth uh, of the Anzacs, I guess the you know, well, I should say more the mythology of the of the Anzacs doesn't mean that we're like you know we hate the people who went there and think they're warmongering <laughs> criminals or whatever. It's just this this bizarre cult that has sprung up around it, and you know, we saw a sensational piece of corporate misjudgment. I mean. And this, you know, you and I have worked in media for a long time, so we know there would have been like six to 15 people who would have signed off on this thinking it was a good idea. But the supermarket chain in Australia, Woolworths, actually started an advertising campaign saying, I mean, their, their slogan is, uh, what is it? The fresh food people, right? The fresh so food they, people, yeah. they had pictures of Anzacs with fresh in our memories under them. And of course, <laughs> there was an outcry and the advertising uh, got pulled. But I mean... Look, I mean, that's a fuck-up of, of pretty spectacular proportions. How the hell does something like that get signed off on? Because I, I just wonder. 
I think maybe they had too much fruit in the executive offices. Uh, they had so By much fruit. Do you fruit. mean like crack, crystal meth? Like, is that a euphemism that I, a Silicon Valley youth, euphemism? I'm not familiar with. No, you know, just when you've had a delicious fruit salad that's so fresh, um, and you can like really taste uh, the the blood of exploited farmers on it, um, oh. you kind of get uh, oh. a little. You kind of get a little giddy, and you get a little <laughs> excited, and you think all ideas that you come up with are good ideas. They were uh, um, they were they were a little bit high off their fresh puppy blood shots, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Um, that was. I mean, you should have seen the rejected campaigns. Finger licking boom. Um, oh. That didn't go. That didn't go down well at all. Um, yeah. Oh dear. Look, let's get away from this before we wind up with anthrax infused envelopes uh, <laughs> arriving at our places of residence. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was a, that was a terrible joke. I shouldn't have said that. But there. Look, the, the, what, what I think is so interesting about Anzac Day is yes, it, it's a very somber occasion, and and yes, it kind of the mythology is great because we don't have a lot in Australia. Australia is a very young nation, so we don't have a lot to kind of um, to talk about ourselves with, and so this is one of those things that allows us to kind of have a conversation about um, white Australian history and where we did come from. But the whole idea that you know, the whole assault was a failure. <laughs> was is kind of an extraordinary thing to to hang our hats on. Uh, Nick Giannopoulos um, of Wogboy fame posted on Facebook the other day a clip from um, uh, Kings of Mykonos, Wogboy too, and it's a conversation where he's explaining the Anzac spirit to some Greeks, and he's like, "Yes." Wave after wave of Australian soldiers landed on the beach and charged through. And, and then the other guy's like, and you, they took the beach. No, 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 no. They got mowed down by the Turks. They were being mowed down. And then they took the beach. No, 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 no. And then, uh. the, then they dug in and they battled, battled for ages. They battled forever. Yes, but they took the beach. It's like, no, 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 you're missing the point. <laughs> oh, no. I guess it is useful to have a national day that is, you know, a national military day because Remembrance mm. Day, of course, isn't our day. That's I think that's a British thing. That's um, a British thing. And as a friend of mine who's ex-defence, uh, I saw him in Canberra. He said, it, look, it was always going to be something. Uh, you know, there was always going to be a day. But I just wish, you know, personally, I wish people would use it as a as a time to reflect on just how horrible it was instead of focusing on the heroism and the stoicism of these poor souls who were sent over there and sort of romanticizing it. There was nothing romantic about that campaign. There was nothing no. romantic about World War One. It was a pointless war. No one won it. <laughs> and it directly caused World War Two. Yeah. So yay. Yeah. Anyway, on that, that cheery note. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to our next topic, which is also not at all controversial. Not at all. Uh, here in Australia, I mean, I understand in the United States where you're based currently, uh, there was a measles outbreak, which has been directly attributed to people not vaccinating their children against certain diseases. So it's becoming, it's been a sleeper issue for a long time. Of course, where I live in Australia is ground zero for the anti-vax movement, uh, for these anti-vaxxers. I know several people who do not immunise their children. Um, and they think, you know, people think that they're idiots uh, they're not idiots. And this is the thing that's hardest for me to wrap my head around. They think that they're doing the best thing by their children. There's a lot of misinformation out there. They they are not experts in sifting this information and determining quality information from bullshit information. And that's pretty much how we wound up, you know, where we are. So in an effort to address this, the Australian government has said, if you don't vaccinate your kids, not only will you not get any welfare, but even if you work, 
you won't get family tax benefit A. Now, this is a tax break that is worth a fairly substantial sum of money to most middle-class families, sort of lower middle-class to middle-class families. Now, I think that a part of me just goes, yes, this is fantastic because yeah. you know, falling vaccination rates are terrible. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, her, her friend's uh, son, baby, uh, died of whooping cough. And, you know, in this area, I mean, you've, you've got to assume that the only reason that baby, who was too young for the shot, the only reason that kid died is because there were other people carrying that virus that, that wouldn't have been had they, had they have been vaccinated. So part of me just thinks this is a fantastic uh, initiative. But also part of me thinks this is just going to make people dig in because anti-vaxxers are so incredibly suspicious of authority and the official information. They think that it's all about protecting pharmaceutical profits. And I just don't know. I think maybe you catch more flies with honey and maybe an, a, a broader information-based campaign is what's needed. What do you think, Dan? It's kind of funny. Uh, I was talking to Will Anderson on his podcast about this, and I was talking. Well, I was talking. I was talking about the current government, and I was saying, I was talking. We we're talking about how um, this government's quite childish, and what are they going to do now? Are they going to institute a no hat, no play policy? And what is so funny is that this policy, three weeks later after that podcast, got, gets released, and it's called "No Jab, No Pay." Yeah, <laughs> and the video had uh, Tony Abbott in a school playground saying. Uh, no jab, no play. And that was just, just sweet, sweet joy went through my <laughs> veins. Not only do I think it's an excellent policy, I just think the way it was delivered is pitch perfect. Why do, you think it's, why do you think it's an excellent policy? I mean, I, I understand that, you know, uh, anyone who, who believes that, you know, vaccinations are one of the greatest achievements of, of modern science, you know, uh, or science of the last hundred years or, or, you know, however you want to put it. Like I, I had a girlfriend who's, whose father still had a funny walk from, from having had polio as a kid. I don't have to worry mm. about getting polio. I think that's pretty yep. good, right? So I understand that, you know, vaccinations are a good thing, but I'm I'm honestly not sure that this policy is the right way to go about it because it's it's typical right-wing conservative approach, which is I, I, submit I, I, to our will, we will do this or we're taking your money away. See, in America, that is not a right-wing approach. A, 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 a right-wing approach is, oh, it's my body, I can do whatever I want, boo, boo, boo. That would be a right-wing approach uh, in, in America. Uh, it would be like, the government can't tell me what to do with my body, boo, boo, boo. Yeah. But uh, I actually think it's really good policy, and it, dare I say it's the only pro-science policy that this current government has initiated, <laughs> given the amount that they have defunded so many of our other scientific institutions that it's kind of maybe this is a way forward for them to start thinking. Now, the problem for Tony Abbott is Tony Abbott is so anti-science and so anti-facts that uh, I don't know who got this through to him and got him to sign it, but it, it's really terrific. The Pope in a couple of weeks is going to do a speech on uh, on man-made climate change, and I think that week Tony Abbott is scheduled to visit a factory that sells buckets of sand. Uh, so... <laughs> That's how anti-science Tony Abbott is. So yeah. I think, I, I, well, I devout think Catholic it, Tony Abbott, we should point devout, out as well. Devout Catholic. Yeah, that's right. I think this is. I think this is an extraordinary policy, and I, I I'm all for it. I just think it's great. And though you may you may say that um, that you will get more anti-vaxxers if you encourage them to vaccinate their kids, I think the number of anti-vaxxers are so small that it doesn't matter. Well, see, this is the thing that makes me pay attention to this debate because there's a town up the road from me called Mullumbimby. Vaccination rates there are only something like 60%. Mm. You know, that's – so it's it's very easy for people to sit around in, um, you know, in the sort of uh, – 
you know, cities and whatnot around Australia and go, oh, well, it's not really a problem uh, at the moment, so we're just going to nip it in the bud. I mean, I've just told yeah. you about a baby that died of whooping cough up here, which, you know, was... I mean, look, it's pure speculation, but it may yeah. have been a preventable death. So it yeah. is starting to affect people. Um, yeah, but I just definitely. really worry that it's going to make it's. I just worry that it might drive, you know, give give the opposition to vaccinations a bit of, you know, something to sort of hang their protest on. Does that make sense? Yeah, but what if the opposition were wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is this is the extraordinary thing. I think this is great policy because this is the government being a social caretaker and really yeah. looking after the health of the population. And if if that that just wouldn't happen in America, like you, you couldn't do that exact same thing in the US. Well, you wouldn't be getting the bloody family tax benefit a in the first place, would you? If you're in the United <laughs> that's, States, that's true. That's socialism, and socialism is evil. That's right. It's, it's more evil than ISIS. Well, nice segue there, Dan, because, uh, you know, this uh, next piece, uh, IS uh, or Islamic State or Daesh or, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, the Islamic State who are not really that Islamic, according to many scholars, and not really a state, according to most international lawyers. <laughs> Bit of a funny name, that one. Um, they put out a propaganda video which featured a doctor. He, he, he looked like a doctor who was wearing, you know, doctor robes and things like that and had a stethoscope and he's carrying babies around. And he's talking to the camera about how he came... Uh, to to Islamic State, uh, to the Caliphate, uh, to look after children and to practice his medicine. And, you know, people here sort of had a bit of a spin-out, uh, quickly verified that he was, in fact, a real doctor. Uh, from By all reports, a fairly talented doctor as well, who apparently went on some camping trip at one point and became completely uh, radicalised. His name is Tarek Kamle. And, uh, yeah, so he's over there practising medicine. And, and of course, we're seeing a lot of stories that are smearing him now, saying that he was a party boy, playboy. Uh, you know, there's uh, some really hilarious bad stories about him, like flopping his cock out onto people's shoulders while they were sitting down at staff <laughs> parties and things like that. You know, he sounds like a typical hotshot doctor jerk. And now all I've of got, a sudden... I Hey, ladies, I've got your medicine right here. <laughs> exactly, Flop. right? He's one of them. So he's, you know, he's hoofed it over to the Middle East and now he's practising medicine. And, of course, you know, all of Australia is up in arms about this. The thing that I'm wondering, though, is the morality question here. Is it immoral for a doctor to travel to Raqqa in Syria to look after people who need doctors? Now, I know that Islamic State, you know, I'm certainly not pro-Islamic State, but I am pro healthcare, you know, and I am pro people having access to good medicine. Now, this might be because you're, 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 you're a hippie socialist. I'm a hippie socialist, apparently, yeah. But um, I mean, what do you think of this? I mean, do you think this guy, say he comes back to Australia yeah. and it is currently illegal for Australians to travel to these conflict zones? Say he comes back, it turns out he never fired a shot, he never committed any sort of violent act. The fact is, the guy is still, you know, pro Islamic State and practicing medicine. Should he go to the clink? What do you think? That's a really good question. This is like um, I've never been so perplexed by a question my entire life. Wow. Not since Achievement not, unlocked. <laughs> not since those crucial seconds when the doctor said, do you want to know the, the results of your test? Have I ever felt um, so anxious to answer this question? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. But I, I, feel like, um, I feel like he has kind of, by the very virtue of being in an ISIS propaganda video, that he has indeed imbued himself to But you're, you're assuming had a he had a choice about that. I mean, it's, it's a fair assumption, I'm guessing, but we don't know <laughs> yeah. that yet, you know. You have to make a staggering, not just a choice, you'd have to make a staggering number of choices to find yourself in Syria in 2015. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he made He made a fucking lot of 
of choices. That's not a bad it's, life decision. That's a lot of bad life decisions. That's a lot of bad life decisions in a row, including wearing a goatee. Uh, like that is he, – he is very handsome. He, like he's a very handsome <laughs> doctor. And you can see why they used him in that video. Can he I looks just so, say He looks so dreamy holding that baby. He does. He, you know what it reminded me of? That video reminded me of uh, – the mining company videos that came out a couple of years, the mineral councils videos that came out a couple of years ago uh, that were all about saving babies in Newcastle. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, Extrata pays um, for this medical wing so uh, we can save babies. Yeah, it's exactly so when the they same get, thing. <laughs> what about, just, what just, about when they grow up to, Adelaide, uh, to adults and they get the, uh, the black lung, Pop? What about <laughs> when they get the black lung? Let's not look. Look, let's not rule. Look, there is so much doubt as to whether coal causes respiratory diseases. Let's just <laughs> not rule it in or not rule it out. But what we can say is that mine, thanks to big mining, babies are being saved in hospitals. Here's an incubator. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and thanks to ISIS, babies are being saved in Raqqa. <laughs> it's like it's like they it's like they looked at those Mineral Council videos and just ripped them right off. Now, that is an interesting thought, which is, uh, you know, Islamic State actually turning to the Australian mining industry for propaganda tips because they're pretty good at it, aren't they? Really good. Mm. Well, they managed and to squash the mining tax and sort of, you know, uh, sort of assisted the departure of Rudd prior to his <laughs> resurrection. See, this is the problem. It was actually Rudd. Rudd caused ISIS. Well, <laughs> we, we get, Rudd caused a lot of bad things, including ISIS. And now he's running for Secretary General of the UN. I so know. World War Three. here we come, right? It's all, it's all a big conspiracy. <laughs> Rudd is causing ISIS so he can fix ISIS. God, he's so conniving. But is it immoral? Okay, so say we, 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 remove, the man's, we remove the man's ideology. From his actions, sure, sure. say he was some bloke called Chris. Let's say, let's let's say, say he's a bloke called Chris Davids. Okay, so Chris, Chris Chris Davis, who who went to Turkey, snuck across the border to Syria, joined up with ISIS, and became an ISIS doctor. Um, Chris Davis, Aussie bloke who's got white skin, <laughs> who's who became friends with ISIS to save kids. Well, but okay, just say, just say. And he's not a Muslim. And ISIS is not a Muslim, is not an Islamic uh, organization. Let's just say say, ISIS. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Let's say ISIS is McDonald's. (laughs) I see what you're doing there. But look, this is the thing, though. We can't just judge people for their beliefs. We have to judge them by their actions. Now, say Islamic State. Say Islamic State said. Go to to Syria to work for Islamic State and appearing in an Islamic State video. Let me run this hypothetical by using uh, the lowest common denominator. Um, Say um, uh, you. <laughs> you you were a doctor and you went to uh, and you were saw, you saw what was happening in uh, 1940s Germany <laughs> and you went to help out in the eugenics unit uh, in, in Berlin uh, general practice uh, to help save uh, Nazi babies. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a violation of Godwin's law, but well played. <laughs> well played, sir. Dan Illick, that is actually all we have time for uh, in this, the podcast with no name. Uh, Thanks heaps for, for joining me to do this, and hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. My pleasure. Bye. Big thanks to Dan Illick for that. And, uh, yeah, if you want to give us some feedback on this, you can fire off a tweet to me. I'm just Risky Business, one word. Or Dan at uh, Dan Illick, D-A-N-I-L-I-C. Until next time, I've been Patrick Gray. Hope you've enjoyed this. 